Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. The one that I want to do now is, speaking of John Travolta, Mm, White Man's Burden. Welcome to Recotopia, a happy home for recommended movies, shows, and music from two people you can definitely trust. Trustability varies by region, no guarantee is implied. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Atkinson and Jeremy Scott. This conversation is over. I'm not the guy that you kill. I'm the guy that you buy. Are you so fucking blind you don't even see what I am? I'm the easiest part of your whole goddamn problem and you're gonna kill me? Don't you know who I am? I'm a fixer. I'm a bag man. I do everything from shoplifting housewives to bent congressmen and you're gonna kill me? Oh, hello. hello everybody. Hello. This is Recotopia, episode 23. I'm Chris wow. Atkinson. And I'm Jeremy Scott. Yeah. And uh, acknowledging our beautiful people who are watching us live today on a Tuesday uh, before this podcast actually comes out. Mm-hmm. Uh, see, chat got crazy, like not crazy, but like just like there was an immediate amount of messages when I went over to click on it. I was like, wow, everybody's already just like engaged in everything. Bebopping Maybe and scatting all over us. <clears throat> they are bebopping and scatting mostly. So um, anyway, uh, how's everything going? Ah, uh, you know, you know, things are good because uh, we're here to recommend some stuff. Some stuff. We got, we got a big recommend today. Michael Clayton. Mm-hmm. Uh, George Clooney movie from, I believe, 2007. Mm-hmm. Um, but we usually start off with some small recommends. Some, some small, small recommends. It's no big deal. It's so small and light. It's small, it's tiny, it's petite, it's wee. Yeah. Appetizers, the amuse-bouche of yeah. recommendations. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm going to kick things off today um, by recommending another subreddit on Reddit that I Ooh, have found a that I enjoy. Okay. I have previously mentioned some subreddits here in another podcasts that i enjoy like 
watch people die inside, uh, <clears throat> idiots in cars, um, no, 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 yes, 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 <laughs> no. Uh, but today, I, yesterday, I found a new one uh, that is just some really good eye bleach if you're having if you need something cute to look at. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, the subreddit is r slash tippy taps, t i p p y t a p s. So you would go to reddit.com slash r slash tippy taps. And this is an entire subreddit of dogs and occasionally other animals doing that hyperactive thing with their front paws when they're super excited. Like if their owner's walking up the sidewalk or somebody just said the word treats or they just opened up a new toy or their best friend came over for, I spent probably 30 minutes scrolling through tippy taps, just watching videos and gifs of adorably excited dogs. Um, and uh, maybe that's not your bag. Uh, it seems to me, the internet suggests to me that that most people enjoy cute animals, especially dogs and cats. Mm-hmm. Um, so you don't have to have, if you're if you're unfamiliar, ooh, somebody on the chat says, our zoomies is similar and just as good. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, that's all, it's gonna be all dogs doing the zoomies. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's even one for human tippy taps. Oh. Uh, anyway, if you are not familiar with Reddit, you don't have to have an account to go there and to view and browse the subreddits. Uh, and it calls itself the front page of the internet uh, because you can quite literally find a subreddit for almost anything you could think of, uh, and, which is why I've been on there for years and I'm still discovering things like mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> I recommend, small recommend number one for Jeremy. Um, all right, all right. Reddit, okay. tippy taps. Oh yeah, I, I I can see you wasting a lot. Well, not wasting. Maybe wasting is the right yeah. term. Wasting yeah. a lot of time uh, 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 reading on those things because yeah, that's 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 the stuff, man. Uh, pets yeah. getting all excited about stuff. Yep. Um, I um. I've been buying some of these uh, Criterion uh, that have the 4K transfers and everything just to, mm. uh, you know, uh, try them out and everything. Movie I had a documentary I'd never heard of called For All Mankind that came out in 1989. Um, it was uh, one of them that was available. And this is uh, yet another. Now, this is back in 1989. This is yet another um found footage of uh nasa stuff from all the apollo missions oh wow um and it's not one cohesive like this is you know we're following one mission uh throughout the whole thing it's a whole bunch of apollo missions um including i mean apollo the ron howard and crew must have definitely watched uh some of this when they got to the apollo 13 stuff because there's some shots in there that from the from for all mankind that look exactly like what they put in Apollo 13. Oh wow! During some of the Apollo 13 stuff that they show in this, but yeah, very a, a ton of Apollo missions in this. All the different ones that landed on the moon and all the little different things that that astronauts noticed. A lot of voiceover on this as they're being interviewed and everything. Uh, one of the cool things was uh, one of the astronauts talking about going over the Sahara Desert and noticing all these little fires that represented nomads around the region oh, and wow. everything. And he was you could just see like each one of these fires represents an, one person, and there's just tons of them everywhere oh, wow. and everything. So 
like really cool things that astronauts observed and some fun things, a lot of minutia and whatever, but it's fascinating. Anytime, anytime you can get footage of this type of stuff, I find it fascinating. So, uh, so for all mankind, there is an Apple TV show that has come out that has this name. Uh, I believe it has, it's, I think it's had like three seasons and I think a new season just recently came up. So that's going to be confusing, but this is a <laughs> 1989 criterion. Well, it's not, I don't know if it was, it's not criterion originally but it's a, it's on a criterion disc it might be on the criterion channel for all i know but uh well worth taking a look if you're into the space program and things like that yeah i agree with the commenter uh nolan who says apollo 13 or apollo 11 was fantastic so I'll have to yes absolutely apollo 11 another great little companion piece to this yeah that would be a good double feat we should just start double featuring everything everything i, yes. I recommend a new mountain dew flavor you double feature that with some kind of <laughs> yeah yeah exactly um, <clears throat> i do see the question here about the new video game stray which i was just telling chris about yesterday mm -hmm. cat uh and that will be a future recommend i am downloading it uh today uh, <clears throat> i have yet to play it and i've got a busy day today but uh mm -hmm. i'm sure i'm gonna love it i've seen way too many videos i probably watched more videos about that than any other game before buying it i'm just mm -hmm. a little obsessed with this game all right my second small recommend uh it, it, i was on the fence honestly as i was watching this film for the first time mm. uh, and i've decided that i like it i've seen it two times now uh, mm -hmm. but only in the last three or four months and this is michael bay's pain and gain Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> it does Mark take Walter. more than one viewing, by the way. It does, because this is based on a true story. The movie delights in pausing every now and then during crazy-ass things and reminding you, this is still a true story. Um, these people are terrible. Mm -hmm. There's almost no one in this movie to like. Ed right. Harris, maybe. Uh, <laughs> but everyone is terrible. The mm -hmm. victims, the perpetrators... The next set of victims, just it's just a movie full of really bad people. And that did not make me feel good the first time mm -hmm. I was watching it. To know that this was a true story and are we glamorizing? But they are so dumb. They are mm -hmm. so dumb. And they play it extremely well. Yeah. Um, and by the end, I'm so charmed by these dumb, terrible people that I believe I can say I enjoy the movie. Mm -hmm. uh, even though I don't like any of the people in it. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Basically, what you have here, if you're, if you're not familiar with this movie, uh, is some guys in a gym, some like trainer, workout helper guys. Because they're stupid uh, and they want the American dream, they decide to take this wealthy guy who works out at their gym and kidnap him and force him to sign over his fortune to them <laughs> through a series of torture attempts. Um, and things don't go exactly the way they want, so they try to kill him. Um, emphasis on the word try. Yes. Uh, because despite all that they do to him, um, he does not die. He did not mm -hmm. die. Um, and then they <laughs> set their sights on, uh, I think, uh, some sort of a porn-type mogul and mm -hmm. his wife. Uh, yep. Those people are not quite so fortunate. Um, you might feel dirty after you watch this. Uh, mm. That's what that was my conflict. I felt dirty even while I was laughing, and then when I went back through it a second time, I was able to sort of remind myself: based on a true story, is just that 
based yeah. on a true story. It does mm-hmm. not mean everything I'm seeing really happened. This is certainly a fictionalized version of that. Uh, and so on my second viewing, I almost straight enjoyed it without feeling too dirty at all. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And it moves up. It moves up instantly. I, I'm not a huge Michael Bay fan. I've always right. said, like, The Island is probably my favorite Michael Bay movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but this moves right up there, up to the top three, I think. Um, just because it's so it's so out there. It's not like the stuff Michael Bay usually makes. I mean, mm-hmm. there are there are action sequences and plenty of stuff like that. But um, anyway, I, I, I was dirty and then I enjoyed it. And uh, that probably could go for many things. But my second small recommend is Pain and Gain. I don't remember the exact line, but it made me laugh so hard. And it was when Anthony Mackie is listening to Mark Wahlberg spill out the plan or whatever. And it gets to his narration, and Anthony Mackie's like, I don't think he knew what the fuck he was saying or, or believed anything that he was saying, but I knew I had to follow him or some crap like that. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was just like, it was something like that where it was just completely like, tur- you know, flipped it on its ear, what, it, what he was saying. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that movie's fun. That movie's a lot of fun. I think I Michael got- Bay is a Go lot ahead. better when he's not making these giant action pictures because. Uh, when he makes these kind of, I don't know, there's something about the dumbness that really works with Michael Bay movies. Yeah. So I got a special uh, personal chuckle out of, well, cause the rocks character professes to be a born again, Christian, the whole movie and raises objections to doing these things. Cause he doesn't want to go to hell. But mm. There's a scene where they go into this. I think it's a gun shop, but there's a scene where they go into the store and because of the music of Striper, a Christian heavy metal band, he is able to connect with the worker behind the counter. It's like, Mm -hmm. I love Striper. Uh, (laughs) I listened to a lot of Striper growing up, so I I thought that was extra funny. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, uh, what have you got for us for your second small Uh, Second one is another 4K Criterion that came out. It's called, and and this is is an all-timer, Double Indemnity. Um, uh, Billy Wilder movie from 1944. Starring Fred McMurray, Barbara Stanwyck, and Edward G. Robinson. Um, the uh, th- this is it's such a simple setup, but it's just cla- this is just a classic in every sense of the in, in every sense of the term because of the the plotting is something that you're going to be very familiar with because so many movies have done this kind of thing over the years. But there's something about it the the dialogue that's in it the 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 uh, the way the people who are supposedly the antagonists who are really the protagonists when you think about it later on uh, uh, figure out a lot of the things that happen in this movie they're not dumb they're not you know that's nobody's dumb in this movie um, but uh, for those of you who haven't seen it it's about uh, Fred McMurray is a, is an insurance salesman who uh, is trying to track down this guy t- about some automobile automobile insurance. He, the guy isn't at home, but his wife, played by Barbara Stanwyck, is. And there's suddenly discussion about accident insurance. And he get, Fred McMurray instantly gets suspicious about this because she wants to get accident insurance without her husband knowing and all this stuff. But then he falls in love with her, and he starts to want to hatch up a plan where they kill the husband and get and get the insurance money. The double indemnity in this case is if he were to somehow die on a train, you get double the 
the money. Double you get double like if you die in some unusual spot is basically what it is. You get double the money, so therefore he gets some money too out of all this. But he's trying to do this under the nose of his friend and boss, Edward G. Robinson, who at this point had had was a big major star, but was on the wane was waning at this point. Um, and uh, he he just plays this boss who's like real hard ass about investigating everything. Now the insurance company in this, <laughs> there is an executive in this movie that plays one of the insurance guys. Once that once all this stuff is in motion, he's he's still trying to find a way not to pay this, even though like the everything is like looks pretty on you know on the level and everything. So let's not give the insurance companies too much of a too much of a <laughs> uh, you know protagonist label in this. But anyway, the whole movie is told through. Uh, Fred McMurray as he gets on this like uh, recorder thing and he starts talking he gives he's basically giving his confession uh, all the way through um, uh, and he's narrating it and it's the it's a good kind of narration it's really you know informative narration not like I walked into the door and then you know she greeted me or whatever like <laughs> that type of thing but um, Double Indemnity is a really good movie I don't know if you've ever seen it Jeremy I have not. Um, it goes on the list of shame immediately because mm. uh, it sounds like very much my jam. Uh, mm -hmm. It's weird, the movies that you get exposed to, the classic films that you get exposed to versus the ones that you don't. Um, this one just missed me. Um, but I think, me. I think you will highly, highly enjoy this uh, uh, if you get your hands on it. So, um so yeah anyway great great movie i think this is typically in top 20 top 30 lists of all time it routinely gets in those lists so uh apparently too billy wilder and raymond chandler wrote this together and they hated each other they were adapting somebody else's book and interesting uh, they hated each other and raymond chandler nearly walked out on the production the studio had to give him a bunch of concessions to come back uh <laughs> and uh so anyway it's amazing how that movie still got made with those two hating each other writing the script so anyway all right <clears throat> good stuff on to the big recommend i'm fine i'm fine it's just that you're so big it's so huge it's a good rule but this is bigger than rules it's bigger on the inside is it i noticed one of my favorite things about this show is is revisiting a film i haven't seen in several years for the purpose of recotopia because i mm -hmm. i always see things that i haven't seen before um mm. i always notice little subtle nods or themes uh, michael clayton Stars uh, George Clooney, uh, and it co-stars Tom Wilkinson and uh, Tilda Swinton and Sidney Pollack. Uh, for the most part, those are your key players. George Clooney is basically a fixer uh, for this law firm. He is an attorney, um, but for reasons that are kind of vague, a little uh, bit, he's basically been stuck in this role as the firm's fixer, uh, probably because he's really good at it. Um, and he has a lot of connections. Um, and you open with him basically playing poker, and then he leaves a poker match. Um, they say, good to see you back. So there's some hints that maybe he's had a gambling issue. Mm -hmm. And a uh, lawyer from the firm calls him and says, I got this big client. He's one of my biggest clients. Uh, he just hit a guy with his car. He's freaking out. I'm in the Bahamas. Yeah. <laughs> you go help this guy. Uh, I love this scene. 
because this guy goes from 100% entitled to like accepting the fate of his situation all because mm. Clooney very calmly, very sternly lays it out for him. But when he first gets there, this guy's like, you know, he thinks he's not going to get in any trouble at all. Right, right. And there's this moment where Clooney's like, you've led the scene of an accident. Uh, you know, there's no options here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> right now the police are scraping paint off of the car. But that guy got to look at your license plate. He'll be here even sooner. The mm-hmm. phone starts ringing and the guy's like, is that the police? And Clooney's like, no, they don't call. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love everything about that scene because he just, he is fixing in the sense that he's taking care of the situation. But the guy was expecting fixing meant make it go away like yeah. you know, the wolf in Pulp Fiction. Um, yeah. <clears throat> Ah, uh, there's just so much to unpack here. Uh, he's really good friends with Tom Wilkinson, but Tom Wilkinson um, is manic depressive. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're led to believe he has gone off his meds multiple times in the past and that mm-hmm. he and Clooney had a deal that if he wanted to go off his meds, that's fine, but he had to call Clooney and tell him first. Um, and he has not done that. Um, and at a deposition for this client, you North, that's who Tilda Swinton works for. Um, you North, I think you could just assume is like Johnson and Johnson. Yeah. Uh, or this, Monsanto maybe, or yeah, one yeah, of those kind of, yeah. Huge, you know, agricultural conglomerate that has bought up all these other businesses. So he's at a deposition because there's a lawsuit about one of their leaks that but it's very Aaron Brockovichy in that part. Mm-hmm. Of it, and I don't mean to belittle that. Um, <clears throat> and he starts taking his clothes off in the deposition. Mm hmm. And ranting. He rants a lot. Actually, the movie opens with him ranting. Yep. Um, I think over the phone. Uh, and you're you're supposed to realize, oh, this guy's he's pretty out there, but you learn about halfway through the movie, he's kind of right. He does have manic depressive episodes and he does spout some ridiculous stuff, but he has discovered that U North knew their chemical was carcinogenic. And because of his manic depression and his going off the meds, uh, he can't get anyone to believe him. Um, he's also, unfortunately, developing a romance with one of the witnesses in this mm-hmm. case, who is a young woman. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a very complicated character, Tom Wilkinson. Um, yeah. And I think in the end, I, I, I end up feeling sorry for him more than anything else. Uh, so Clooney has to go out there and retrieve him and then fix this mess and try and figure out what's going on with Arthur. One of the biggest sins in the entire movie, we're not sinning it, we're just talking about it, but one of the biggest issues I have is that Clooney that night puts himself in adjoining hotel rooms on the first floor with a sliding door balcony where (laughs) Arthur just walks out sometime in the middle of the night or in the morning. He's just gone. Clooney (laughs) literally has to break down the door between the two rooms to get in there. Mm -hmm. Um... Basically, what follows here is kind of a political, dangerous game. Uh, Tilda Swinton um, discovers um, documents that were in Tom Wilkinson's possession that show that he knew about the uh, carcinogens and the chemicals. So she hires Hitman in one of the funniest scenes in the whole movie. I I love the... The duality of her, when we're introduced to her, it's cut back and forth between her rehearsing an interview mm. 
and the actual interview. Mm -hmm. And we see here say lines a bunch of different times to try and get the right inflection and the right wording. And, you know, when, when Jim brought me in here, when Jim brought me in in 2010, um, mm -hmm. she's so exacting about what she wants to put forward. But then when she calls the hitmen, it's like she's never had a conversation with a person in her life. Yeah. There's yeah. no preparation for that. There's no rehearsal. She's like, I, I don't, I don't know how this works. Um, mm -hmm. The hitmen bug the apartment. Eventually, they kill Tom Wilkinson in what is one of the creepiest scenes I think yeah, it in really all is. Of film because it's so mm -hmm. quiet and they're so meticulous and they're 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 like surgeons in how they go about that particular act. Like they've done it dozens and dozens of times. Mm -hmm. um, and so then the, the rest of the film is, will, will Clooney make it out of this? Will he be the next one that they go after with the hitmen? He's desperate for money to save his bar, and he has a bunch of debt. So he's asking the firm for money. They misunderstand mm -hmm. this as a blackmail attempt. Um, mm -hmm. And it all ends in this amazing scene where he faces off with Tilda Swinton and says that yeah. famous line, I am not the guy you kill. Mm -hmm. uh, you could have bought me off like that. You don't even know who you're dealing with here. Mm -hmm. um, it's all being recorded because his brother-in-law is a cop, and that's all set up perfectly. You don't feel like mm -hmm. that's an ex machina cheat at all. Mm -hmm. um, I love this movie. This, this viewing only gave me more appreciation. Uh, everything about it. The writing is tight. The performances are... Everyone's great. I think Wilkinson is the standout. Uh, but... Yeah, I just loved it. What's uh, what's your impression? How how many times do you think you've seen this? This is probably my third time watching this. Um, I watched this last year at some point, and then I watched it uh, when I was living in New York. Uh, I watched it when it came out. Um, um, that scene at the end is is the true centerpiece. Of course, there's a lot of great stuff that leads up to that. The you know, not only is it just like, you know, uh, him showing up and, and surprising her as she goes into this room and she thinks everything's over and she's won and all that. But, you know, after he goes through that whole spiel about, you know, give me $10 million and then like, no, no. Okay. Give me 5 million for this and 5 million for that and all, all that. And then she's finally, she finally agrees to it. And then he goes, you're so fucked <laughs> and, then, and, and, and because his character at this point, you, you're not quite sure where his morality is. He, he is, he's kind of on the edge of it where he doesn't really care that this company has may have done some bad things or whatever. Even when he's got the, the proof that they've done bad things, he's not really in the business of like being a, a crusader of any sort. Uh, and we do know that he's got money problems. And so when he does that negotiation, you're like, oh, uh, well, you know, you're thinking maybe he, this is his way out that yeah. he's, he's, he's discovered or whatever at the end. And then when he says, you're so fucked, it's like another turn in this whole thing. Yeah. And I think he, he does that. Be I think it's because of, they killed his friend, right? It's not. Mm -hmm. He's not necessarily a moral crusader against the law firm or sure. you North. It's that you fucking killed my friend, man, and mm -hmm. tried to kill me. Like, they blew up his car. Had there mm -hmm. not been some fucking random wild horses on a misty hilltop, Clooney's mm -hmm. dead before this movie's even over, which I think is sort of 
obviously what puts him over the top, but that it sends him into almost like this fugue state where he's like, I'm on borrowed time now, man. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to fuck around anymore. Yeah, yeah. I am Shiva, um, the god of death. <laughs> yeah, there, yeah, and she, Abina also talks about Arthur's walking around here somewhere when George Clooney shows up at the end. Uh, yeah, there's, uh, there's, there's just that this is one of those movies where it's 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 an interesting narrative right it's not Clooney is kind of like Tommy Lee Jones in the fugitive in some ways uh, uh where he's not interested in the mystery that's going on really at first mm-hmm. um and it's only through trying to find somebody that he ends up get finding stuff that that you know it's like oh this is really bad and he's you know it it is an interesting dynamic with him at his firm too where he he they say something like he's been there for 14 years and he's been passed over for he's not uh, a partner yeah yeah he's not a partner yet and everything and and he 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 tells Sidney Pollack like you know hey I'm I'm good at this I'm a good trial lawyer and everything and he's like yeah but you're way better at this and like you get the sense that they benefit more from him being that being the fixer uh and that's the reason why they don't ever want to put him in as partner because who are they going to get to be as good a fixer as he is uh and that must make them more money somehow or more prestige or something out of all this um yeah tom wilkinson in this one you you after your first viewing you might leave going boy that was just a crazy performance or whatever but think about i like this because think about someone who's dedicated their lives Mm. to screwing other people and then finding out that what you've been doing is really based in a lie like there's no more gray area anymore you find a document that says you knew what you were doing to the environment and these people when and you signed off on it and you're still trying to sue, like, you know, you're trying to like defend yourselves against all these people who have a, a rightful complaint against your product and everything. And I'm sure, and we don't know whether it's, it's a true moral thing that Tom Wilkinson's going through, or if it's because he just fell in love with this girl that he suddenly, we don't really know that. Do we, does it, does it say like I, I feel like it's because he's fallen in love with her that he decided to go deeper into this. I think you know. so. Yes. Uh, so it doesn't. It's not. He, even he is not really like just uh, just because he's a good person or anything has right. decided to to uh, you know change this over and everything. It's a really bad thing for a lawyer, by the way, to do. I mean, what he's doing is is unethical in every sense of the way, in a sense of the word. It may be morally righteous, but you, you lawyers cannot do that. They can't. Right. They can't just suddenly say, "All right, well, I'm going to build a case against the firm." You know, I'm going to build a case against the company, my client, instead of uh, helping them out and everything. So, it's a complex issue, right? Like watching that movie, you're going, "Oh yeah, he's doing the right thing." He's not actually. He's yeah. not doing the right thing, but. For a movie, it's it's an outstanding sort of like moral uh, uh, turn, uh, heel turn, basically. But I think um, um, one of the things I noticed this time uh, that I don't think I paid much attention to before is um, perspective, right? Because Clooney, 
there's that scene where he goes to pick up his son and his drunk, formerly drunk brother shows up and tries mm-hmm. to wave at him and Clooney's like, get in the car, don't look at him. Mm-hmm. He speaks about the guy with such disdain, like, like I'm the good son and he's mm. the bad son. And yet mm-hmm. Clooney doesn't see his own gambling problems, massive debt, uh, unethical job. He doesn't see any of that as fuck-ups the way mm-hmm. he sees his brother. And <clears throat> maybe he just doesn't look inward enough until we get closer to the end of the film. Maybe that's sort of his journey. Um, but I always thought, I saw somebody comment about the brother um, kind of being forgotten. I agree. I always thought it was weird that there's basically this one scene with the formerly drunk brother and then that we never come back to that. There's no yeah. <clears throat> there's no denouement for that relationship. Uh, maybe there is on the cutting room floor. Um, but I always thought it was interesting um, that he just shows up and disappears. But I think maybe that's to show you how Clooney views himself uh, compared to other fuck-ups in the world around mm-hmm. him. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, and yeah, yeah the, I'm, I'm glad you brought up the Tilda Swinton thing. Like, just, it, it immediately puts you in this position to hate her, I guess, for some reason because she is sitting there like practicing her answers mm. and they cut it back and forth and everything. A lot of times in these movies, this is sort of a, 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 a character build in the positive because you're like, Oh, this person's prepared or whatever. Mm. But in the way they do it here, Tony Gilroy like puts it back and forth. And like, we know this company is not doing the right stuff almost immediately. Um, you know, the, that she's sitting there like getting these calculated answers that people just swallow. Basically, they just say, all right, okay. That, you know, yeah, we're, you're a good company. You're fine. Yeah. Um, you know, is, is kind of a, a scary thing, but I love Tom Wilkinson in this, that this is that him being in that state throughout the whole movie, just kind of like, he doesn't know what to do. I mean, he's, he's just, he has no idea. He's, he's screwed basically. Like there's no there's no way out of this really. He can't he can't even do the right thing. That's that's what's so crazy. Like it's uh he even if he does the right thing, it's never going to be admitted what I he's love, going to do. He has this conversation with Clooney in an alley when Clooney spots him and I wanted to add that the paper sack full of 16 French baguettes is one of my favorite props. <laughs> so funny. In all of movie history. But in that conversation, Clooney's like uh, I know you called Anna, and he's like, how could you know that? How could you know that? Like, nobody could know mm-hmm. that. And he realizes he's being bugged. And so mm-hmm. then later we see him, he cranks up the music, and he gets out his his diatribe, and he's like, all right, is everybody in the house? Here we go. And he starts mm-hmm. basically laying out the evidence because he knows he's being bugged. I love that scene. He's like, yeah. okay, I'm going to give you exactly what you think I'm going to give you. Ah, mm-hmm. he, just, he steals this movie from me. I just... Yeah. It's such a complex character. It really is. I do I do wonder about the plan of the hitmen though to put a cell phone operated bomb in Clooney's car and they have to follow him around and all that. And that that's one of the things that I'm not sure I totally get about this like they have this perfect way of getting Tom Wilkinson. Yeah. But like in this other one, they're like, 
well, this won't be suspicious at all. We'll, bomb, <laughs> we'll blow up. We'll blow up one of the lawyers of this firm. Cars you blow know. up on the countryside all the time, <laughs> right? You know, so like, I, 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 it it works out for the movie, obviously, because you know Clooney finds out that he is uh, being targeted at that moment. And and luckily he he found those horses on the hillside to stop his car and come out and like admire them. Could not, by the way, this movie came out afterwards, but I could not help but think of Fantastic Mr. Fox during that scene. Oh, wow. Because there's the they, they you remember when they're like towards the end of the movie, they're on the road and they hail that fox yes. and he's like trying to say all this stuff and you know and and, and the fox doesn't or is it a wolf? It's a, not a fox, it's a wolf. Uh, or a coyote, one of those things. Uh, but they're trying to talk to him. He's, he's like, he's like, he's like trying to get news or something from him, and like, you know, and then he speaks French to them, and and and, and then and there's no response. But at the end, they both like raise their arms in solidarity <laughs> at each other. At the end, what sort of reminds me of that? But um, but uh, that's one of the that's one of those things that you know, if we were sending the movie, it's like, wow, thank God there's some horses that are so amazing that you know Clooney has to stop on the side of the road and go up to them and admire them like he's in Red Dead Redemption or some shit. I do love so, though after the explosion how fast his instincts kick in as as a fixer. Mm -hmm. He's like, okay, yeah. I gotta make it look like I died in that explosion. He runs and throws yeah. his wallet in the car and then runs off into mm -hmm. the woods. And I don't think I would have the presence of mind to do anything but stand there and look at the explosion and go, well, shit. Yeah. Uh, and, exactly. you know, <laughs> yeah. what are they going to do? I, I agree with you. It is, is an overly complicated way to try and kill him. But I think the film, I think Gil Tony Gilroy was hooked on that horse imagery. Um, and that quiet moment for Clooney to mm -hmm. kind of reflect. And, and I'm willing to forgive, obviously, you know, if we were nitpicking the film, that would be another, another thing to sure. nitpick. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, I just, I just love this movie too much to care. But yeah, they, they kill one guy perfectly with drugs and the next guy, let's, let's do this like we're in a Batman comic. <laughs> yeah, let's do this thing where we can't even really figure out where he is because we're in the middle of some you know cell tower uh you know dead zone of some sort um and and like this, this is the thing that Clooney was doing a lot in this era right like up in the air comes out not too long after this um where he is good at a job but he is slowly coming to the realization that he hates being good at this job um and uh and I know this was a movie that you were considering uh, being the one that we would watch yes. uh, last week. Uh, uh, I, I I think that's interesting that he, in both movies he's he's got this career you know he's he's got this um, career crossroads going uh, during this whole this whole thing. But yeah, this movie is really really good. I and 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 IMDb I think has this over eight. So that's usually the uh the uh, real a real good indication of how you know uh others have received it i don't think it did very well in theaters like i don't think it was a huge hit of, of any sort but um but yeah this is a really well-made movie it's just so solid all the way through it made 93 million on a budget of 21 oh. million is that worldwide 93 um it's whatever wikipedia decides to calculate so that's probably domestic i don't know why i ever trust wikipedia why am i even here 
Wikipedia. <laughs> um, what? I do think it's interesting that in like 1984, 93 million would be the biggest movie of all time. But in 2007, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, most people didn't see it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, domestic it made forty nine. Okay, and so that was worldwide, worldwide ninety two. So it was it was like a middle range hit, I guess. It had some it had some steam, but not much. Mm. Um, anyway, yeah, uh, this is a great movie with great performances and uh, hardly anything bad really to say about it. Um, you know, yes. And if you like this movie, uh. Tony Gilroy, as a writer and a director, uh, more as a writer, um, has an incredible mm-hmm. uh, yes, he does. filmography. Dolores Claiborne, uh, Devil's Advocate. Um, yeah. Proof of Life. But then you get the Bourne series, Michael Clayton, mm-hmm. State of Play, Nightcrawler, Rogue One. Uh, well, and then his, his brother directed Nightcrawler. It's uh, Was it Dan Gilroy? Dan Gilroy. I can't remember yep. if that's... Yeah. Yep. Uh, so yeah, both of them highly talented, uh, make make great movies. So, all right. Um, well, why don't you hit us with the surprise double feature for Michael Clayton? If you're a woman over forty dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Be very, very quiet. Secret. What secret? Our dirty little secret. I tell you something I've never told anyone. Okay, so this one isn't tough, but it's tough to come up with here's my answer like there's a lot of answers Mm. right so um i think the obvious one is the firm i'm not gonna Mm. say the firm um but i think the firm is the more uh, the most obvious one not only the fact that Sidney pollack directed that film uh but Mm, nice it's got all that it's got all that, you know, where somebody comes in and they're, they don't know anything bad is going on. And then they find out and they're, you know, they're, they seem powerless to actually prevent it. And there's a lot of, I mean, you know, there's the scene where he goes in to talk to Gene Triplehorn and he turns up all the, the volume yep. in the house because he knows it's being bugged. And there's a fixer in that. Wilford Brimley plays the fixer in that. And it's just a lot of like, parallels to the firm in this and i'm sure to many many movies in this but what i wanted to do was kind of a law and order kind of thing here where uh, in the background of this of this movie is a i mean there's a courtroom drama going on in this movie that we never see at all Mm -hmm. Uh, and so I figured now this movie is not of the same caliber and it's a little bit more obscure, but a civil action was a movie that I thought of as a double feature for Michael Clayton, uh, because it has the same kind of, there were a lot of these movies back in this day where Mm -hmm. like, you know, something's poisoning the water and there's a courtroom case. Aaron Brockovich was one of those movies. Uh, the rainmaker was more about insurance, I think, but, um, but 
uh, you know, it, it it has a lot of these type of movies where a big company is doing doing bad things and trying to get away with it. But a civil action was one. Sidney Pollock is also in this movie, by the <laughs> way. Um, uh, but uh, it has you know John Travolta is the is the main guy, and he's he's as the trailer says he's you're uh they're you're one of three lawyers they're 500 or whatever mm-hmm. or something like that you know so they're they're going up against a big company in this uh and there's a lot of you know of this thriller intrigue type of stuff going on so i figured a civil action would be a good one to uh combine with this sort of as a as a the alternate side of what's going on this is in uh this devolves in this and mm-hmm. i think william h macy is in this and william h macy is in one this, of the yes. things i remember uh i haven't seen it in ages is that they, i haven't either the big law firm one of their legal strategies is to just outlast the small law firm, because I remember mm-hmm. there's a point in there where the law firm, uh, Travolta's law firm, has to like lay people off, and then they're working out of somebody's apartment, uh, and they're eating leftover pizza, and basically they've lost all their money because uh, mm-hmm. they have now committed wholeheartedly to their client's cause. Uh, yeah. I like this pick. I haven't seen this movie in ages, but I do remember liking it. Um, yeah i do too i mean it's only got like a 6.6 on the imdb but i remember really liking that steven zellian who was who's best known for writing schindler's list directed this movie um and uh and john travolta is at his peak post pulp fiction like starting to get a little like full of himself and in performances and everything kind of john travolta because he is like he's like a little over he's getting a little over the top uh in this movie but it's still it's still good um uh i i remember liking it quite a bit so all right um anyway yeah um now we have homework to so give out. homework to give out and and i have oh man that would have been this is a perfect segue if i change my movie midstream here Uh-oh. see i want i I'm going to save one because I'm going to save this one because I have already small recommended it and I will save that for a later time. Okay. The one that I want to do now is speaking of John Travolta, mm, white man's burden. <laughs> no, seriously, it's white man's burden. Oh, no. <laughs> um, no. Um, uh, the, uh, uh, Brian De Palma movie called Blowout is what I want oh, to do next. Um, uh, Brian, uh, this this movie is tr- this is a great this is a great I can't this is a treat for a lot of you who have not seen. I don't know if this is streaming. I didn't look at this because I did change midstream. I was thinking about this movie, but I went and changed it to something when we were doing prep. Yeah, and I was like, that'll be perfect because that'll mm-hmm. be that's just a good movie. But Blowout. Uh, yeah, I want to do Blowout. Um, yeah, Blowout and, uh, is a movie I only watched because you raved about it. Um, mm-hmm. I love me some De Palma, but I hadn't hadn't seen that one until you recommended it enough, and I loved it. Uh, I'm looking right here. It's on something called Pluto TV. It, okay, it's I've heard of this. Tubi, T-U-B-I. Oh, Tubi's free. It's on Roku Channel if you have a premium subscription. And it's on Amazon Prime if you have a premium subscription, and it's available okay. for rent for three ninety nine at all the usual spots. This is well worth your time, folks. Blowout's great. It's a it's a mystery. Um, uh, John Travolta plays a uh, uh, guy who's just trying to get out. He's trying to get sounds for a production, 
And while he's getting these ambient sounds, he uh, picks up the sound of a of a car crash that is a part of a big, huge uh, conspiracy. Uh, and he spends time, uh, you know, uh, being obsessed with getting this sound perfect and everything. Kind of like the conversation mm. uh, earlier on, mm. which, you know, may I don't mean to take away your double feature immediately if that's the one that ends up being, but... Uh, but kind of like that. But uh, anyway, great movie. Can't wait to see what you guys think of. Yeah, that's good stuff. And uh, yeah, mm-hmm. it looks like it is free with ads on Tubi. So um, okay, hopefully y- y'all can check that out. We got some time for a couple of questions here. Question, question. I got something to say. I want the truth. I am listening. Uh, <clears throat> let's start with who are some of your favorite best friends of main characters. Hmm. Okay. You know, I, 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 um, I, I kind of like the dynamic that, uh, Dante and Randall have and clerks, um, you know, that it's a, it's, it's, I think it's pretty real. Like there, Randall's kind of like, uh, in that first clerks, you know, there he's, he's kind of an annoying character. He doesn't seem to care about much, but he really cares about what, about Dante and everything and how they, uh, and, uh, you know he he's trying to trying to get him to he's trying to get make him happy all the way through this whole thing but it may not be in the best way cuz he's Randall or whatever and then clerks too has that great moment when they're in prison and they're and they're expressing their love for each other and everything it's really really i think it's a great dynamic i really like it yeah. so um i'm going to answer give you two answers one that's um kind of connected to yours uh ben affleck in goodwill hunting um ah, yes. if only for that Speech at the end, um, mm. which I think conveys true, like, affection and love for Matt Damon's character. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also, I'm going to cheat and go with a TV show. Um, if you ever watched a House with Hugh Laurie, Robert Sean Leonard um, yeah. played another doctor in that hospital who was House's best friend. Uh, and they, I loved this character because he was... Mm-hmm basically the only person in house's life who would tell him the straight shit. Uh, everybody yeah. else was intimidated by house or he could walk all over them in a, in a conversation. Uh, but Robert Sean Leonard multiple times just stood right up to him and said, no, you're being wrong here. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I just, I loved that relationship over the course of the whole series. Um, so mm-hmm. that's a, a little bit. Well, and classically, that was uh, Sherlock Holmes and Watson, essentially, oh, yeah. during the the way they patterned it and everything. So, yep. And uh, we got some answers here with uh, Ricky Bobby's friend. Uh, I don't think he counts because he married <laughs> Ricky Bobby's wife. Uh, <laughs> Harold and Kumar, the characters in Blind yeah. Spotting. Those are some good answers. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. Absolutely. Also, somebody asked, where do I go to ask a question for this podcast? There are several places you can do that. Um, on, uh, the CinemaSin subreddit, there's a weekly thread for podcast questions. You can leave a comment there, or if you go to our discord, there's a channel specifically for podcast questions. Uh, those are probably the two best ways to submit a question to us. Uh, you can also just tweet at me if you want. And uh, I keep a running list. Um, mm-hmm. all right. As projectionists or viewers, when did you see your first cigarette burn and did someone else have to point it out to you? Um, 
I am pretty sure now I don't remember the the epiphany day uh, that I knew of this. I feel like I was watching movies and I noticed them, but I didn't know what they were. Mm. And then maybe it was when I started building movies and I started noticing that it was right around the part where you cut. That's where I was like, oh, okay, so that's what those were marks for the end of the reel. And now I didn't really know the history of them whatsoever at the time. Uh, Fight Club, of course, famously called them cigarette burns. And that's, I guess that's in some way true. The technical term was changeover cue. Um, you know, it's basically the first mark was to tell the projectionist, start your second projector because they used to change reels and with two projectors and they would start that second projector and when the next dot came up they would close the dowser of the first projector and open the dowser of the second one and it would put out the next uh next uh, image uh but they kept them there i get there and i mean there was still when i was working i guess there were still a few that still did real changes not many but um but yeah i remember it, it had to have been in that early time and i don't i don't remember who told me about them or anything i don't remember that so. i uh i i didn't of course go to a ton of movies until i got to college and i started working for a theater pretty quick after i got to college uh the the chain mm -hmm. that i worked for had an eight-week training program that at the time seemed like a mountain i would never climb they, they had me in box mm -hmm. office for two weeks then they had me in concession for two weeks this is working as regular workers um, mm -hmm. then they had me in the booth for two weeks and then they had me acting manager. When you started, like when you started, they put you up in the booth. Uh, they, well, yes, they had me, I did two weeks in concession box booth and, or, and the or, office. or was it all just training? It was all training. I'm sorry. It was all training. Uh, okay. Um, okay. So they didn't just throw you into the movie theater and start that would, that telling would be you to start doing. Um, the, right. the, go the goal, as I was told, was that your employees will respect you more if they've seen you spend a couple of weeks doing the menial jobs of selling tickets and scooping popcorn. I don't know if that's true. Mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, this theater, <laughs> it's the Paramount Theater in Kankakee, Illinois, it's still there, um, has a huge, old, at this point, maybe 80, 90-year-old auditorium. Um, mm. They've modernized it with these fancy reclining seats that we have everywhere now. Uh, but when I was there, uh, it was a near thousand seat theater uh, with sloped seating. Um, and up in the booth, they still had two windows and they still had the pedals for the changeover from one projector to the other. And the old guy hmm. who trained me, um, first of all, there was a cot up there that he said sometimes he slept in. There was a freaking doorless bathroom so the projectionist could pee. Uh, but he told me huh. the whole history of uh, how the cigarette burn would show up on the screen. And just like you said, you would you know, start the other projector here. And um, of course, at this point, they had removed the second projector and replaced that with the platter system. Uh, but I always felt like that was a little bit of a special experience to be able to be trained in that auditorium, in that booth that had such history. Definitely. Um, <clears throat> mm -hmm. All right. I think we got time for at least one more. All you right. sometimes hear people talk about movies they wish they could go back and watch again for the first time. What movie would you like to go back and watch again for the second time? And they suggest something like The Sixth Sense. Um, You mean watch it for the... Okay, so I may have misunderstood That's this question. Right. They're, they're asking... They're asking us what we'd like to come back and see the second time? Yeah, I, or... that, that, yeah. The, the gist I get is that 
like watching The Sixth Sense, you're blown away. But then the second time you watch it, you get to appreciate and notice all the little touches he did to make that twist authentic. Oh, okay. I see what you're Uh, saying. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think this is, I'm still going to have the same answer for this because, um, the usual suspects mm. is, is the answer that I have. Like, you know, when you watch it, you're trying to guess who Kaiser Sose is the whole time. Mm. And, um, and then of course there's that awesome and famous reveal at this point, but you may not have remembered all the things that Kevin Spacey does during that whole, uh, build up to that there's a whole scene that i just completely blanked out of my head where uh where uh agent kuyan is telling him like uh here's what i think happened you know blah 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 tells him all this stuff and you can see verbal smiling like this guy isn't getting it at uh. all and 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 then as soon as agent kuyan comes into the picture and like is looking down at him again he wipes that smile off his face so that he doesn't notice that he's smirking at him. Um, so there's a lot of things in the usual suspects where they build that up to, to, uh, to that surprise. And it is fun watching it the second time after that. So yeah, that's anyway. a good call. Good call. Mine is simply my favorite movie ever. The matrix. Uh, the first time I ever watched it, I had that blown away experience. And then the second time, it's not that there are any twists that, need to be set up uh, in the buildup, but the second viewing uh, allowed me to understand um, the details about what was happening. The first time through, I was just kind of in a river going with the current. And the second time through, Mm -hmm. um, I was able to appreciate some of the themes and some of the symbolism and uh, and the whole world building that they did uh, in that movie. I think we should Mm -hmm. go ahead and answer this one last question we were prepped for. Uh, I do want to shout out a couple of these answers that people shared for that question. Parasite, that's a good one. Prestige, mm-hmm. that's another good the one. Prestige is great. Dark yep. Knight, Inception, a lot of Nolan on here. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Psycho. I mean, Nolan movies kind of demand that, yeah. right? Like after you've once it's revealed everything by the end, and you know you you want to see how they how you know if it holds up yeah. on that second one. So. All right, <clears throat> what are some movie foods? you'd most like to eat not goofy things like the overly large sundae in bill and ted but actual realistic food Mm -hmm. you've seen in movies the the cuban sandwiches in chef i wanted to eat Uh, so much i was so hungry after watching that movie i wanted to i wanted to tear into those cuban sandwiches Um, that scene in the beginning when he comes in and cooks all this new stuff that whole scene mm. makes me salivate. Everything he makes in that scene mm-hmm. is delicious. Uh, but yeah, those sandwiches, yeah. that's a good answer. <clears throat> mm-hmm. um, I have two answers for you. The Ramdan from um, Parasite, which is... Uh, which looks amazing. Accidentally yeah. pa- talking about Parasite a lot today. Um, and yeah, I have made my own Ramdan, but not with a hundred dollar Wagyu ribeye <laughs> because yeah. that's not easy to come by and that's not a good use of my money, but I would still love to eat that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the mm-hmm. cookies that uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal makes in Stranger Than Fiction. Um, no. Because there's just, it's not implied that she's magic or anything, but it's implied that those cookies are some of the best things that Will Ferrell has ever eaten. And uh, mm-hmm. I like foods that when I eat it, I'm like, this is one of the best things I've ever eaten. So I want to 
to get at those. Grills. Yes. Um, soylent mm-hmm. green, nice. Uh, the grilled cheese yes. in Chef. I agree with this. Absolutely. Um, the one he yeah, makes for absolutely. his kids. Spirited away food that turns the parents into pigs. Um, yes. I don't know about that. The steak and eggs from Twister. Oh, actually, oh. that's no joke because steak mm-hmm. and eggs on a farm like that, cooked by a woman who's lived on a farm like that, <laughs> will taste oh, incredible. Yeah. Uh, JC says the pizza and top secret. Yeah, of yeah, course. That cheese just goes for miles. Going. Like there's never yeah. And then the the uh, uh, apple strudel from Inglorious Bastards. Absolutely, absolutely. Not complete. Not complete without the cream. I'll not tell complete. you this: they opened uh, a, a ratatouille theme part of the park in Epcot, and they don't sell ratatouille. And that is like one of the biggest hmm. marketing fails. I, I realize it's maybe a dish that people would only order once, but I would feel like everybody would order it at least once. That's the feature dish. Mm-hmm. You made a whole land about this movie, and you're... It yeah. doesn't make any sense to me. I know. It makes Wait no sense. Although, I'm looking forward I'm looking forward to the thing from Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, the Rakakuni. <laughs> That's what I want to see. <laughs> Still need to see mm-hmm. that movie. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, anyway, thank you guys for, uh, for listening to us and, uh, watching us live out there and, uh, uh, and, uh, contributing, uh, your answers to us and everything, uh, makes the show a lot better. I yes. think, um, your homework and, for next uh, week we is appreciate blow out with John Travolta mm-hmm. fine for free on yep. Tubi and, uh, we'll see the live audience next Tuesday and, uh, we'll see you listening audience next Monday and, uh, y'all take care. Yeah. Yeah. See ya. Bye. Be a part of the live show by being a member of the Sin Club at Patreon at patreon.com slash cinemasins. Chat with us on the Cinemasins Discord at discord.gg slash cinemasins or Cinemasins Twitter at cinemasins and email any comments or questions to recotopia at cinemasins.com. That's R-E-C-O-T-O-P-I-A at cinemasins.com. I'm all by myself. I was all by myself in the room, even though Chris was there, he's not here. He's not really here. He's not really here. Oh, shit. We are on the Googles now. Yes, on the Googles. I like doing German accents. I don't know why. Hmm. Hmm. I don't Like, I'll tell my wife, I'm going to get the coffees. Instead of, mm-hmm. I'm going to get the coffees. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. I, just do, I just do weird shit like that. Then my dad used to kind of do stuff like that, too. My dad used to be like, come and see here. <laughs> and this will be, this should be the last show that I ever use this microphone set up for. Oh, yeah, that's right. I got all that stuff that they're going to set me up with, with the fanciness. Mm-hmm. The fanciness. And, uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to be one of those people like you that has like a, a microphone arm and an actual mic. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put mine up here so I can like pull Ooh, it down. That'll like, be very sweet. In the radio station. That'll be the thing. Mm-hmm. That'll be the shit. That'll yep. be the poo. Mm-hmm. Missy's the poo. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's for all of you uh, Bring It On fans out there. God, I haven't seen that since it came out. Really? That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Have you seen any of the shitty sequels? I haven't seen any of them. Oh, man. One's got Hayden Pinatier in it. 
Oh yeah. Um, they're not good. I'm not. I mean, you know, but bring it on is charming enough. Mm-hmm. Oh man, mm-hmm. I like things mm-hmm. and stuff. Things and stuff are the best. Stuff and things. I saw that. I saw when I got home last night that t- Twitter thread of the McDonald's and mm. Dairy Queen signs mm-hmm. fighting in Missouri, and like, there's other businesses that got involved, like. Really? Bank got involved, and then Wendy's jumped in. It's pretty hilarious. It's not even like a very big town. It's just one place started a sign war, and everybody decided, well, I'm just bored enough that we're going to do this. After all the other problems in the world have been solved, let's do this. 